all welcome Pastor Lathan here tonight. This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to our first Wednesday, as Pastor Bob has just mentioned to you, and good to see you all here this evening. We want to take a moment just to welcome the folk that are joining us at the Stevens Point campus, Pastor Bob and Tara, welcome. Good to have you folk join with us as well. And of course, at the Appleton campus, Pastor Chad and, and Jill, good to have you with us as well. And all of you that are joining us online, it's good to join with us here tonight in our first Wednesday service. It's great for me to have the opportunity to share with you here tonight as well. But before we do that, I want to hear something from you guys, all right? I mean, I want to really hear something. I want to hear something from you guys at the other campuses as well. I want us to stand up at all our campuses, and I want us to give a celebration to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's give God a shout of praise tonight. Did you do that with me? Let's hear you, church. Come on, celebration. We can do better than that. Yeah, there we go. Come on, Stevens Point. We want to hear you too, and Appleton. There we go. God is a good God. He's a good God. Thank you. You may be seated. My goodness. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get up out of your seat and just say something. Say something because all through God's word, the psalmist continually declared a voice of praise and thanksgiving to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we need to do that. And thank you for doing that. If you're here, maybe this is for the first time and you're kind of trying out Celebration Church, we don't typically do that. Come on a Sunday. We are a whole lot more reserved on a Sunday. <laughs> Wednesday night, this is a time where we can kind of loosen up a little bit and begin to enjoy ourselves and really celebrate all that God is doing. So thank you for being here tonight. It's great to have you here. Well, let me just take a quick moment. Um, most of the folk here at the Green Bay campus, but maybe some of you at Appleton, some of you in Stevens Point, maybe some of you on online don't know who I am. I'm Lathan Duncan. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. As you can tell, as you can tell, I'm one of the old guys. Okay, I would prefer to say, I prefer to put it this way. I'm one of the mature pastors. Okay, but you know, the truth is, I, I've been around for quite a while. Uh, you know, I've been around. Uh, you know what? All those of you that are 50 and older, Let's give a hand to those guys that are 50 and older. Yeah, it's us old people. It's good to be mature. Uh, you know, sometimes I look around and I see some of the young'uns and I think to myself, oh my goodness, this is, uh, this is interesting. You know, a couple of weeks ago, as one of our small groups here in the Green Bay campus, we have a small group that we started a couple of semesters ago called Supper Club. And you have to be 50 at least to be a part of the supper club. Now, one of you can be 50, and the other could be, you know, 16 if they want to, if, as long as you're married. No, we, that wouldn't work. Uh, but anyway, that, that, you can come if you're, at least one is 50 or older. And we have the supper club. We started it about two or three semesters ago, my wife and I, we had it in our home. And again, it was supposed to be a small group. Well, that small group began to grow, and we couldn't fit everybody in our home. 
Uh, so what we decided to do this past semester, we divided into three different groups, and we had folk leading it in different parts of the city. And they, they meet every other week just for a time of fellowship. It's one of our small groups that's just an opportunity to fellowship together. It's a great time together, opportunity to have something to eat. How many of you like to eat? All right, there we go. Those of you in the front row, at least being honest, those at the back, you, you're never honest at the back. Uh, but the fact is, it was good to be able to get together and have some food, have some fellowship, share a little bit with each other, share God's words, pray for each other. So what we've done this past semester, once in the semester, we all come together, all three of the groups come together, and we have had it here at the church. This happened about three weeks ago. It was a great time, and I shared a couple of thoughts with the folk that were there at that time. Kind of talked a little bit about leaving a legacy. Uh, because when you kind of get to my age, you start thinking about leaving a legacy. And I shared a couple of thoughts with those folk, and you know, in preparation for it, I decided I wanted to find out what is the life expectancy of people in the United States of America. So I went to the library, I pulled out a whole that, those cards, and I looked through, found the right, I'm just kidding, I went to Google. <laughs> I can Google, you know. All right, I'm not that old. All right, so I went to Google and I said, life expectancy, help me out here. I came to discover that in the United States of America, the life expectancy, I was kind of guessing, I was pretty close. Life expectancy in the United States of America is 79. That's the average, all right? Ladies are a little bit older. I think that they, their life expectancy of, of, of the woman, female, in the United States is like 82, 81. Men, it's below 78. And if you put the two together, I'm not a mathematician, but it should average out to 79. You know, the women live a little longer. You know why? Because they talk their husbands to death. And so, it, you know, they, <laughs> the men die a little sooner. But the fact is 79. So in, in kind of preparing for that, I thought to myself, well... I want to share about looking at myself. If 79 is the life expectancy, I'm 65. Guess where that puts me? That puts me in the fourth quarter of the game. Some of you are in the, at the two-minute warning. Yeah, I can see somebody waving their hand. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people at Stevens Point uh, that are in the two-minute warning already, okay? So that's the truth. We, we're in the two-minute warning, okay, for some of us. But... Legacy is not about just what we're going to experience in heaven one way, thank goodness for that, but how do we prepare for heaven is what we do here on earth. And how we do that and how we make it. How many of you know that even someone that in the last, in the two minute warning time or in the last quarter of their life can still make a difference in the world, still impact people's lives? In fact, yes, amen. There's at least somebody that's agreeing with me. In fact, listen to this. In fact, so often, it's the last quarter of the game or the final two minutes of the game that actually determine who wins or loses that game. Ask Aaron Rodgers. He'll tell you. Don't ask Mike McCarthy. He has no idea. All right? But the truth of the matter is that it's the final two minutes that make a big difference. And so the final two minutes, here I am. I'm a part of that group of people. But I want to say to us, we can make a difference in the kingdom of God. Now let me just take a moment, and I am going to get to preach here tonight. Right now I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just warming up. It's cold outside. The weather outside is frightful. I grew up in Africa. In Africa, when we prepared for Christmas, it was lying around a swimming pool or at the beach with watermelon, hot sun, 
and singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. What do you think? I mean, yeah, we are, us Africans are kind of strange people, to be honest with you. All right? But let me just remind us about something here in preparation, because I want to unashamedly encourage something with us here in Green Bay, Stevens Point, Appleton. All right? Here at Celebration Church, we, over the last number of months, have kind of refocused ourselves in a new way in terms of what the vision of Celebration Church is. All right, we, ha- we just reworded it. It hasn't changed things a whole lot. We've just reworded some things and we've, re- we've created some different strategies. We've made a few differences. All right, by now, by now, everybody should be able to say exactly what we would encourage you to say in terms of what does this look like for us here at Celebration Church. And it's simply put in four steps. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. All right? Of course, knowing God is truly knowing God with our heart, not just the head knowledge, but coming to realize that we need Jesus in, and we need his forgiveness and we need to invite him into our life as our Lord and Savior. Finding freedom happens for us here at Celebration Church that we would encourage you to get involved in small groups. All right? Small groups. That's where it, where it happens as we build relationship. As we settle our past and we build our relationships with the other, we get to know each other, we get willing to take off that mask, we get willing to be able to share something, and I want to thank you for jumping in and being a part of that. But there's many of you that, that, that haven't. My question to you tonight is, as we get going, all right, and there's a reason I'm saying this, all right, my question to you tonight is, have you got connected in a small group? <coughs> Turn to the person next to you and ask them that. Are you connected in a small group yet? All right, now turn to the, your second choice next to you and say, why have you not got connected in a small group? All right? We want to encourage that here at Celebration Church. It's an important part. All right? Join one. Get involved. There's a quote. Someone quoted it this way. He said, we will always be as sick as our secrets. I believe that. If you've got a secret here and nobody else knows about it, you're sick. We always will be as sick as our secrets. And the best place to be able to experience freedom, the freedom of what God has for us, is when we get connected in a small group. We get to know each other. We get to love each other. We get to support each other. We get to hold each other accountable. We get to pray for each other. If you're not doing that, you're missing out on something very, very special. Of course, the other steps are important too, but I want to encourage that. And the reason I want to encourage it, next Wednesday night, Pastor Bob touched on it briefly here. At all of our campuses, you guys in Stevens Point, you guys in Appleton, we are having a small group leader orientation, okay? If you're interested in any way to possibly lead a group, come and join with us. Come and be a part. Just because you come to that orientation doesn't mean you're going to have to lead one. We're not going to lock the door and throw away the key, all right? And it can be in any way. You know, you may say, well, Pastor Lathan, I want to be a part of a small group, but there's nothing that interests me. There's no group that's out there. My question to you is, well, what does interest you? All right, well, I like to do underwater basket weaving. All right, well, why don't you start a group like that? You can do it. Let me show you a quick video. Let's have a quick uh, watch this video that will encourage you in terms of what small groups should look like. Listen, if you can hike, conquer a trail, climb a mountain, you're free to share the best view. If you like to cook, then spice it up. Share your gift. Have a potluck. Feel free to swap recipes. See, they love it. If you can run, run a mile. Run five miles. Spread it out. Come on, 
You got this. You're free to lead the pack. You're free to bowl. You're free to eat a bowl. You're free to study, free to play, free to serve. You're free to do whatever it is that makes you, you. You are free to lead a small group. Head to the website for more information. All right, Celebration Church, we are better together. We're better together. We can make a stronger impact in our lives, in our families, and in our community when we do it together. We're better together. And we are in a city, and whatever city you, whether it's Appleton, Stevens Point, we're in a state, we're in a country that is desperate to see God and experience God. And if they're going to just look at me and see the, the fullness of God in me, they've got a problem. But as they see us together as the body of Christ, with Christ at the head of the body, we can make an impact. We can see lives change. We can make a difference, an eternal difference, a legacy difference in the world around about us. So jump in. Get involved in a small group. Come and have a look and see. I, we'll help you. We'll help you find something and maybe get you to lead. And You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to have a PhD behind anything, all right, to do so. So you, you, you guys hear me? Have I said enough about small groups? All right, I know every one of you are going to rush out there. You're going to sign that little card at the table afterwards, and you're going to be here next Wednesday night. Well, thank you for that, all right? Good. Well, let me share with you tonight. There is something that I want to talk to you a little bit about here this evening. How many of you know the season that we're in? We have just gotten into what's typically referred to in church circles in the world around about us as the Advent season, right? The Advent season. This Christmas season, this past Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent, and it's a wonderful time of the year. Man, I think I should write a song something like that. What a wonderful time of the year this is, all right? The Advent season, it's an exciting time. I mean, lights all over the place, twinkling, all right? Christmas trees, Christmas gifts. By the way, if you need to know what I want for Christmas, let me know. I've printed out a couple of sheets of gifts that you're more than welcome to give me. Just ask me after the service and I'll, I'll let you know. But there's so many cold weather. Isn't it wonderful to have cold weather I mean, that's part of the Advent season in Wisconsin anyway, all right? But it's a wonderful time of the year. Uh, Advent calendars. I know my grandkids, they, they, they love to you know, have that Advent calendar and they pop their little, you know, as they go through each day of the Advent, uh, Advent season. What about Advent uh, wreaths? Uh, okay, each one of those candles, lighting that candle and meaning something, referring, uh, referencing something, you know, whether it has to do with peace, whether it has to do with hope, whether it has to do with joy, whether it has to do with love. It's a lovely, wonderful time of the year. My question to you and to me tonight is, what is Advent all about? And I'm hopefully going to be able to help you with that a little bit and particularly help you to be more prepared for this Advent season and help your life to invite and encourage a preparation that will change you in a way that you've never been changed before during the season of Christmas, all right? A definition for Advent is this. Advent is, the word Advent is used to signify the arrival of a notable person or an event. Now for Christians, in Christian circles like ours, guess who that notable person is? Jesus. Guess what the event was? His birth in Bethlehem. All right? That's the advent we're talking about. That very first story of the first advent that took place. And the people were preparing for that. This advent of this event of 
Jesus coming and being born in the manger of Bethlehem. When Jesus lived, he began to talk about a second advent, an advent that would take place in the future. So during this Christmas season, every Christmas season that we enter into, it's a time of waiting for both arrivals. We are waiting for a second advent, for Jesus' return, all right? For Jesus' return. But we need to be prepared. Advent is a season of preparation for the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Let me share, read a scripture with you here tonight that'll show you a little bit of this preparation. And we're going to talk a little bit about it, all right? This is from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah and other Old Testament prophets prophesied about the coming of Jesus 700 years before Jesus actually came. In fact, the, the, the figure is that something like over 300 prophecies are written in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus and his birth in Bethlehem over 300 years. And you know what? You know what? Every single one of them came true. You know what the, the statistics on that happening? How many of you, well, don't show your hands, but how many of you bought a ticket for the, what is that thing called that you buy a ticket for, for that the, the big money deal? A lottery. See, it shows you I never buy a ticket for the lottery. All right, how many of you, if you bought a ticket for that lottery that got up something, a billion or something like that? For every one of these prophecies that were given 700 years ago to be true, to come true, that number is astronomically higher than a billion. That should tell you something about the God, this awesome God that we serve anyway. But listen to Isaiah chapter 40, reading from verse 3 to 5 in the New Living Translation. It says this, listen. It's the voice of somebody shouting, clear the way through the wilderness of the Lord for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys and level the mountains and the hills. Straighten out the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. You know, sometimes when it comes, and as we prepare for Advent, we prepare for Christmas, we prepare for Christ and and the celebration of him coming 2,000 years ago, and as we prepare in our hearts for his return as well, there's a lot of preparation that takes place. And I know you guys, all of us here in Appleton, Stevens Point here in Green Bay, we've all been in preparation for the Christmas season, okay? How many of you got all your decorations up already? Anybody? Got all your decorations, all your Christmas decorations? My goodness, in our neighborhood, there was people putting their decorations up three or four weeks before Thanksgiving. Okay, I know we live in the frozen tundra, but man, that just seemed weird to me. It just seemed weird. They even turned the lights on. They even turned them on. I had somebody tell me the other night, I won't point out John sitting over there, but he told me the other night that he put his decorations up before Thanksgiving, but he didn't turn them on. And that's, that's okay, because sometimes that happens. We've got to get our decorations. We've got to get prepared. We've got to get everything ready. Okay, all the decorations up. This, this uh, Christmas, my wife and I did something a little different. Uh, last Christmas was somewhat different, because I wasn't preparing for <laughs> Christmas and lights and so forth. I was preparing for open heart surgery. Uh, it was a year ago on the 22nd of December that I, I had open heart surgery. So I was preparing for that. 
Okay, so this year we decided we were going to do things a little bit different. The last number of years, we've put up this massive Christmas tree in our home. We've got a high vaulted ceiling, and we've got this big Christmas tree that has three sections, and believe me, I'm the one, uh, because my wife is kind of petite, and she breaks easy. <clears throat> so I was the one that was had to bring this Christmas tree up from the basement, get it in place, and I mean, it was as high as anything. This year, we decided that Christmas tree it had it. Part of the reason half the lights didn't work anymore, so we had to restring lights. So we went out and got a different one. Not as high as that one. Boy, how many of you know that these pre-lit Christmas trees are not cheap? Uh, they're not cheap. But we got one. We put one up. We got all the nice uh, Christmas, uh, some of the Christmas ornaments up. We've got Christmas um, stockings hung there for each one of the uh, family members. And, uh, so we, we did a little bit of decorating, but we, we got most of it done. When it comes to gifts... Making sure that we got the right gift, making sure that they're purchased, making sure they're, they're wrapped. We, it's a busy time of year in preparation, all right? We've got to plan for our Christmas day. I know we're still a couple of weeks away, but I'm going to guess that some of you have already got some Christmas day planning taking place. Again, uh, last Christmas day was kind of miserable. Nothing like being in a hospital bed at the Mayo Clinic and having a little piece of cake come in with a candle stuck in it or whatever it was and what was nice they had a couple of the nurses and some of the folk walk around singing Christmas carols that part I, I enjoyed but it was probably one of the worst Christmas days I've ever had all right I'm looking for a different one this year I'm looking for one that's filled with gifts all right uh, we're all going to be prepared prepared for Christmas and here this verse of scripture the prophet is declaring that that we need to have ourselves ready you see, way back 2,000 years ago, in preparation for the coming of the Messiah, there was a great and high expectation. They were running real high. The, Israel, the Israelites, the Hebrews, were anxious about the coming of this Messiah. It had been prophesied. It had, they had read the scriptures in the synagogue. But you know what happened? When Jesus came, they missed it. When Jesus came, they were unprepared to receive him. Many people missed him. My question to you tonight is, to you guys in Stevens Point, to you guys in Appleton, how are you and I, how are we personally preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus this Christmas? How are we preparing our hearts? Maybe your life has been in a significant wilderness this year. Maybe it's got a little overgrown, like that prophecy talked about. Maybe it's some time to do some clearing away. Clear it away, okay? Maybe your heart is a bit of a desert. It's dry and it's barren. And there needs to be some preparation of water to bring life. Maybe you need to raise the valleys and bring down the mountains and smooth out the way so that the glory of God, the presence of Jesus, would come and change your life. The glory of God, the concentrated presence of God. That's what glory means. It's the weight of God coming. That's powerful. A concentrated presence of God. No better place. Preparing for this to happen. Preparing for the baby to be born. All right? So often, I mean, we all, every one of us here have been named something, and the word of God named the baby for us as well. Over and over again in prophecies, as I said, 700 years beforehand, and even at the time, right before Jesus came, there was names that were given to this baby, what he was to be called, and we're going to take a few minutes to look at that. Uh, it is a very important part of it. 
Sometimes, uh, you know, names are important. You know, there's, sometimes it's a family name. My name is Lathan, it's a family name. I only know about five, I think, or six Lathans. My grandfather was a Lathan, my father was a Lathan, I'm a Lathan. I've got a nephew that's a Lathan. I've got a grandson that's got Lathan as a second name. I think it's just the five of them. Uh, It's a a family name, all right? You know, sometimes we name our children based upon something that's popular, a popular name, a trendy name. I have no idea what a trendy name is right now uh, in in our country or in, in, in life at the moment, whatever that trendy name may be, but we like to name things. In scripture, we found that names changed. There were times when a name would change. Remember, there was a change of name from Saul to Paul. Remember, there was a change of name from Abram to Abraham. A change of a name. And maybe this evening and maybe this Christmas season, maybe this Advent season, you need to experience a name change. Can I make a suggestion for you? For some here, at least I know for people that you may know, maybe some family members, maybe someone you work with, then maybe their name change needs to be from non-believer to a believer. Maybe your name needs to go from faithless to faithful, from Scrooge to giver, from hopeless to hopeful, from doubter to disciple. A name change. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said again about the name that this baby should be called. It's in Isaiah chapter nine. Chapter nine, verses six and seven. In the New Living Translation, it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, bless you. And he will be called, say this with me, read this with me, all right? Is it up there? It is. Read it with me. And you and Stevens Point Appleton, join with us as well. Okay, you ready? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. All right, that's what he was to be called. That's what this baby that was going to be born 700 years later was to be called. Verse 7 says, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make it happen. Four names that were given out of that passage of scripture that I want to suggest to you will help you prepare for the advent of Jesus in your heart and your life as well as those around about you. First of all, the first one is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. You know, the Hebrew, kind of a derivative of those words, says something like this. The Hebrew meaning of this word is Supernatural, supernatural counselor, a perfect counselor, someone with extraordinary wisdom. If I wanted to go for counsel and I needed a counselor, man, it would be great to know that I could go to someone that has supernatural wisdom, extraordinary wisdom, someone that's perfect, all right? If a person is a wonderful counselor, there's certain things that come to my mind. And this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is for us, all right? Some of the things that come to my mind is somebody that empathizes. He knows and can understand how I feel. He's been there. Jesus came here on earth and he lived life just as we did, yet without sin, all right? So he can empathize with us. Jesus introduces us to the truth. And it's the truth that guides us. John 14, verse six says it this way. And Jesus told him, I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This wonderful counselor is full of truth. He knows the truth. In preparing the way, you need to hear this wonderful counselor. He will show you the truth. He will show you the truth. We get bombarded with all kinds of things as we live our life. But I want to say to you that this wonderful counselor is a God of truth. He will introduce you to the truth. He will guide you. It's someone, it reminds me as a wonderful counselor, someone that I can put my trust in. Put my trust in. Let me share a verse with you here tonight. If you're going to write any verse down, now's the opportunity. Grab a pen, put it down, because this is a verse I can promise you. If you don't use it, if you're not needing it tonight, you will be needing it as you continue to live your life. I want to probably, I want to clearly say to you tonight, there's some people here this evening, some people in Stevens Point and Appleton, that I believe need to hear this word tonight. All right? It's from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And the second part, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. Trust in the Lord. Lean on him. Rely on him. Put your confidence in him. When you do that, his promise is, don't lean on your own understanding. He will straighten that rocky road out. He'll bring it into alignment. He will be the person that you can truly put your... Another thing that wonderful counselor says to me is that he is congruent. What he says he's going to do, God said it, he's going to do it. Don't let anybody tell you differently, all right? Wonderful counselor means to me is someone with great wisdom. That's part of the Hebrew understanding of it as well. When you look at, it, at things from God's point of view, this wisdom that God has, we need to understand that his wisdom is complete understanding. Complete understanding. He knows all about us. He knows all about you. There's nothing that's hidden from him. That's the kind of wonderful counselor that he has been declared to be and who I want in my life as I prepare for this advent. Colossians 3, sorry, Colossians 2 verse 3 says this. In him, in Jesus, in God, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let me read that again. Someone didn't hear that. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You asking for wisdom, you needing wisdom, you're facing a situation, you're trying to get understanding, guess where you can find it? This wonderful counselor. This wonderful counselor. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. And he's here tonight to give you that wisdom and understanding. The second part was that not only is he our wonderful counselor, but he's a mighty God. A mighty God. All right? The Hebrew meaning for that, or the Hebrew understanding of that is invincible, never defeated, never lost. He's a champion. That's the God, that's the baby, that's the name that he's been given to us. That is the name that you and I, he's a mighty God. He's invincible. He's all-sufficient. 
all-sufficient God. Psalm 24 verse 8 says, who is this king of glory? Good question. Listen to the answer. The king of glory is the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. He's an invincible God. He's a mighty God, almighty God, full of power. Gosh, folks. Celebration Church, Appleton, Stevens Point, Green Bay. That's the God that we have. That's the God that has been revealed to us. That's the God that we prepare for. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we want to walk out with day by day. Full of power, power to reconcile. Do you need a reconciliation to take place in your life? Mighty God. Power to restore. Do you need something restored in your life? Mighty God. Power to heal. Do you need healing in your life tonight? Mighty God. Mighty God, almighty God. Power to forgive. Do you need to forgive somebody? Do you need forgiveness? Mighty God. Power to deliver. Is there a stronghold, a weight, something that's holding and been holding you down? Keeping you from being all God has purposed and planned for you to be? Mighty God. Everlasting Father. He will be called an everlasting Father. The Hebrew, in the Hebrew it means no end to his fathering. No end to his fathering. The God that we serve, the Jesus that's come and, and he's an everlasting Father, he never ends fathering us. No matter what age we get, no matter what season we're in, no matter where we find ourselves, he is still fathering us. A father for eternity, everlasting. That's a long time. You ever stopped and just try to get your mind around everlasting? It's hard. It's hard to get our minds and hearts around it. Because, yeah, we get tired. We get weary. We get run down. We get burnt out. We struggle. We want to give up. Not our father. Not this everlasting father. Not the name that was declared by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before he came. It's okay. On Sunday, we went kind of long in the service. So if I get long-winded, you'll, you'll forgive me, right? I only get the opportunity to do this once in a while. So I'm going right. to... I don't know what clock I'm supposed to be... Oh, there we go. I have a clock back there. All right. Well, good. Uh, not our father. The father, this everlasting father... That's what he will be called. That's what he's being called to you and called to me. We need to embrace it. We need to take hold of it and say, God, you're an everlasting father. I want to be fathered by you. I need a father. You know, I had a wonderful dad. I thought he was great. But guess what? He was imperfect. He had some flaws. He had a couple of warts here and there. My daughters have said that I'm the best dad that they've ever had. <laughs> Guess what? I've got some warts too. Pretty significant ones. But the God that we serve is a dad that's everlasting. Everlasting father. He is a powerful dad. The fourth thing that he would be called is prince of peace. Prince of peace. The Hebrew meaning is reconciles all things. He restores all things. That's what he is to us. 
That's what he's been called and that's what he wants to call into your heart and into your life tonight. Prince of Peace. Let me share a couple of scriptures here that are just going to reaffirm this peace, all right? What it means. What does it mean to know this God that's a Prince of Peace? Isaiah 26 verse 3 again, it says this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All those thoughts, all those thoughts are fixed on you. Keep you in perfect peace. Oh, wow. Just even saying the word perfect peace makes me feel kind of peaceful. What a good thing that we have. Philippians 4, 7. Then you will, exp- then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's God's peace that's going to set a garrison around about your life, around about your heart, around about your thoughts and your mind, and keep you in perfect peace. That's the kind of God, name it as called, before he even came into the world as a baby in Bethlehem, before he lived here, died on a cross, rose again, this is the God that we, are, that we serve, a Prince of Peace. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have, made, have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Peace with God, no better place to be to experience the peace. Ephesians 2.14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. It's that kind of peace that this Prince of Peace has for you and for me. John 14.27, Jesus said, I am leaving you a gift. Christmas season, I'm leaving you a gift. All right, what kind of gift are we talking about here? Let's see. I'm leaving you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Now, I don't know what's on your gift list. I don't know what would be the most, the most exciting thing for you to get this Christmas as a gift. All right? Maybe it's one of those new electrical toothbrushes that you put in your mouth and it feels like you've got, you know, you widen. We just got one. Okay? It's amazing. It actually has a timer on. You're told that every time you're supposed to brush your teeth in four quadrants, and every time it pauses, you're supposed to go to the next quadrant, and after the four quadrants are finished, it's going to shut off in two minutes, and you know your teeth are, you've, you brush your teeth in the right way. The only problem is I have to take my teeth out and do it that no, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving you a gift. This is what Jesus said. Peace of mind and heart. There is no better gift that you can get this Christmas than this. The Prince of Peace. And the peace I give as a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This Prince of Peace. I have a short little video that they're going to play for you right now. Just talking a little bit about what this word peace, this Prince of Peace, means. Listen to this real quick. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. 
And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. And he will be called... Hey, thanks. And he will be called Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. That is what he's been called. And is that peace that God wants in your life and my life as we celebrate this Advent season. So there's four names, and I'm sure each one of those names may apply to you in some way. In fact, I found that so often it's kind of like a situation. I heard somebody kind of refer to this as kind of like a tag team. There are times I need this mighty God. There are other times I need this Prince of Peace. There are times that I need an everlasting Father. 
There are times that I need each one of these parts of who God is that he's been called in my life as I prepare, as I allow God to use me and to impact me, as I allow God to use me during this Advent season. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'm almost done. There's one other name that I want to just quickly share with you that didn't come from the prophet Isaiah, but it came in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It says this, and she will have a son, and you to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. He will save. That's the kind of God. That's the kind of God that wants to reveal himself during this Advent season. He will see, save us. So as you complete your preparations for Christmas, you need a counselor, you need a guide, you need a powerful move in your life, you need peace, you need a loving discipline, a fatherly discipline, you need salvation, that's what God is to you. Born in a manger 2,000 years ago, getting ready to celebrate that Advent, we've launched into that Advent season now, looking forward to his second Advent. But the very fact of what we've declared here tonight from God's word is for you to embrace. Maybe you need one of these areas, one of these parts, this name, this, what this name has been called in your life tonight. I know at each one of the campuses and here as well in Green Bay, after the service, in a minute, we're gonna, I'm going to close in prayer. But at the end of the service, if you would like prayer tonight, Pastor Joe and myself are going to be up here, Pastor Chad and Pastor Bob are going to be at the campus there, and we want to just take a moment and just pray. Maybe pray for one of these areas, of these four different areas that you need to experience here tonight, that you're asking God. You're needing a Prince of Peace. You're needing the Wonderful Counselor. You're needing a Mighty God. You're needing the Everlasting Father in your life tonight. Maybe someone here tonight is actually needing the Savior, needing forgiveness. Don't let this Advent season go by without recognizing Jesus as Lord of your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have to know you. To know your presence, to prepare for you. We get so caught up in preparing for so many different things. And this Advent season is, is no different. We prepare for what we're going to eat, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what gifts we're going to give, how we're going to get those lights working that just never seem to work properly. There's so much that we try and prepare for. But God, what about preparing our hearts to receive you? You've reminded us again today who you are. You've, what you've called, what you've been named, what we can take hold of tonight. And so, Father, we want to receive that. We want to know that. We want to walk in that. And we give you praise for it, Father. We thank you for it. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.